listeners, welcome to episode 147 of Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. I am your host, the titular Stace, queen of the parlour, and uh, self-appointed queen of this parlour that's actually just a box room full of tortoises. Hey, joining me this month... <laughs> I still haven't gotten good at intros, sorry. Joining me this month is my, one of my bestest pals, tip-top, splendid gent, man with glasses... I'm trying to think of other things to say. <laughs> his beard's yes, sort of gone. His beard's sort of gone, and I'm a bit disappointed about it, although I do love his face. It's Mike Georgia. Everybody say hello to him. Hello. hello. Sorry, I should have waited for them to say hello. and then, No. Um, hi. <laughs> yeah, the, the beard is gone because yeah. uh, for Halloween, I decided I wanted I to be an orc. So right. I got some face paint, and I painted my face green. And then I shaved the beard but kept the moustache. And then I used some temporary hair dye on the moustache and hair. Now, there was a slight mistake with the hair dye in that my hair is still red. You can't really see it because of the light. But um, my moustache was red for a very long time until I decided to shave it off. And there's still red bits of hair in my moustache. That's really impressive. Thank you. I was, you know what, it's a really good and really nice moustache. But the thing is, my facial hair is like ginger slash blonde and my moustache is like the blondest thing. And it just kind of makes me look like a paedophile when it's really small. So, you know, I just, I just, sort of, I, I thought if I make it really bushy, then it won't look so pedo-y. And yeah, it, it was very bushy and very red and the red didn't wash out. And yeah, I, I got a lot of looks down the street. Um, yeah, that's what you get for wanting to be an orc for Halloween. Yeah. yeah. I'm a bit jealous of your temporary hair dye situation because I miss having very colourful hair because I used to I used to do that. But my hair is extremely resistant to even permanent colours. Like mm. you have to bleach the ever-loving crap out of it before you can even try and put a colour on it. And mm. uh, at one time I even tried that and it somehow dyed my hair back to my normal colour. <laughs> I was going for like a mermaid blue and it came mm. out space brown with a hint of sort of green-ish. Mm. It didn't look good. Mm. Uh, it came out badly. So would you say but your hair is dark brown or black? Because I always say it's black. I would say, well... I mean, I would say it's, it's probably black, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. It's a bit salt and pepper at the moment. My, my witchiness is growing through. Oh, I um, love it. Me too. I wish it would do it more quickly. That's not the right way to say that, is it? Yeah, <laughs> it I understand. I know words. Um, but yeah, it seems to mostly be sort of one section of my fringe, as though as though my body's just trying to highlight that one part of my forehead. It's kind of like Reed Richards, Richards, but less cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Snap. <laughs> <laughs> ah, speaking of uh, Reed Richards, just a random mm. bit of pop culture stuff. There's Pedro like rumours going around about it being Pedro Pascal. Yeah. And like loads of people are saying, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can see that. I'm like, oh, isn't he content with just Star Wars? And I'm like, listen, mate. Anything is an upgrade from John Krasinski. <laughs> All right. <laughs> like, I will take a Pedro Pascal Reed Richards any fucking day of the week. Although, mm-hmm. and this might get me murdered by people who listen to this show, mm-hmm. I don't think I care about seeing more Fantastic Four on the big screen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, um, it's, 
it's Marvel just trying to see if they can get away with it, I guess, because Sony has had it for a long time and, you know, I think they're good films, but they're they're sort of good in a bad way. I don't the the ones with like Jessica Alba and that. I haven't I haven't seen them the I was gonna say the recent one, but it was probably Mm. like seven years old now or some shit, isn't it? Maybe Mm. Um, it was fascinating that one it was just um it was like sort of building up to be a horror film and then like halfway through it just changes to become a superhero film i just don't yeah i think there was some yeah i don't know but i i sort of find that the 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 fantastic four a little bit boring considering their powers like even in Mm. the comics i'm like Mm. this feels like a combination of powers that should be more interesting than this has turned out to be Mm. <laughs> Steve Lacey it's somewhere is rolling over thinking somebody's saying something <laughs> Fantastic Four where are they yeah, it's, it's it's just popped up. yeah it's mm. me Steve and I'm sorry <laughs> I'm not that sorry no no I don't really no. care for the Fantastic I'm not that excited about the X-Men either but I also find them quite boring so <laughs> mm. oh. I'm a terrible nerd I shouldn't be allowed well, to nerd I think with the X-Men, from what I get from fans, like mega fans, is that they're a bunch of weirdos and they grew up at a time when they were weirdos and they couldn't sort of relate to people. So, um, you know, I've heard from many an X-Men fans just saying, you know, I grew up and I was an X-Man, you know, and it, it, it sounds like demented me saying that but it makes complete sense when they say it because it's just <laughs> these group of weirdos and they want to be part of this group and you know they are part of this group because you know they don't fit the norm and i just think it's very sweet i think it's it's an important uh, thing for them to oh, show yeah. yeah oh absolutely i think it just never really resonated with me because i got into yeah. it a bit too late and i don't think i was necessarily pointed towards the best stories anyway yeah. <laughs> um, and it, we've we've stumbled upon pop culture chat almost immediately, which like oh, wow. never happens on this show. <laughs> and usually there's at least like 15 minutes of absolute garbage that I should really cut out. <laughs> I mean, I can talk about my nose hair if you like. I can talk about how I pluck that, and it's um, just like getting stronger and stronger and trying to kill me. I had to shave my beard today. Uh, mm-hmm. That was fun. I love becoming a middle-aged woman. I'm becoming very whiskery. Let's not start talking about body hair again. <laughs> okay, sorry, sorry. Uh, That's okay. Shall we talk about some films and that? What yeah, we've go seen. On. I'm gonna go I'm on. gonna be a gracious host and let you go first, so you, you can choose the direction yeah. of this conversation. Okay, um, I'm happy to do that because it makes sense that we went from Fantastic Four to X Men. I'd like to talk about the Marvels if that's all right. You absolutely can, but I will say this. I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Now, I don't mind you talking roughly about like plot spoilers yeah. because it's a Marvel film, so I'm pretty certain what happens is there's a bad guy and they beat them, yes. and it's fine. Correct. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, don't ruin any like jokes or anything for me, or I might have to kick you in the shin. That's that's going to be – this is going to be a very short review. <laughs> <laughs> Because there are so many. I had to watch it twice because the first time I watched it, I didn't quite understand it. It starts off very, very quick paced and all these characters sort of zooming in and out of each other. And I was just sitting in the cinema, just eyes wide, just 
slightly drooling a bit from this ADHD overload of screen information. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I I wasn't really prepared for the film when I went down to see to watch it, but the second time I I was prepared for it and I really really loved it. My letterbox review is really harsh at the moment, so I'm thinking of changing that. Um, but yeah, I. How do I talk about it? I've written some notes. I'm trying to avoid the spoilery ones. <laughs> they go to different planets. <laughs> uh, there's space in it. Uh, there's a famous, I think he's a Korean singer called uh, Park Si June, who is very stunning. Uh, he's not my type at all. He's like completely hairless apart from his hair, which is very hair. It's too much hair. It's just like, it's it's what I want uh, Miss Marvel's hair to be. It's like ginormous drag queen hair. And I loved it. And I want to put my face in it. Sorry, I said we did agree not to talk about hair. But that, yeah, well, like, no, it was our own body hair, so I think it's fine. Talking yeah, about yeah. yeah. Whereas he's got none. No body hair. Bastard. I am jealous. Uh, mm, I did write down, uh, definitely the standout performance was... Tayona Paris, I think, uh, yeah, Tayona Paris. I think she was given the best dialogue considering the story revolves around her mother. And there's not that much mention of, um, WandaVision mm-hmm. because that's where she first debuted. And that's the first time you see her powers there, but they explore more about her relationship with her mother and Carol's relationship with her mother. And every time she talks about her mother, I just found it so touching. Mm-hmm. And you know me, I don't feel anything. So <laughs> it's just, it was just really quite wonderful to sort of see her performance with that. And, um, yeah, there's, um, oh God, there's so much I want to talk about. <laughs> Spoilers. Oh, Stacey, I think oh. you're gonna, if you don't love it the first time, I think you will the second time because, um, yeah. I think I spoiled it slightly by mentioning the mutants and the X-Men a bit. Uh, no, I think that's that's been wafting around on the internet for a okay. while. So, yeah, that's... Yeah. I, I, when I say don't spoil it, I mean just yeah. like don't tell me the funniest jokes that happen in it because mm. I would I would like to enjoy... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know, because I've seen... Obviously, I've seen the trailers, so I've got a, mm. a relatively good idea of like the setting and the themes yeah. and the, yeah. the big bad, as it were. It's interesting to me that you say Tayona Paris was your sort of favourite performance yeah. because all I've heard online is that every single scene that uh, Iman Vellani is in just is stolen completely by her. Um, <laughs> and I, oh, I yeah. did really enjoy the um, Ms. Marvel TV show, so I was quite looking forward to seeing more of, of yeah. her. Part of me just wants to go and see this and enjoy it just to annoy a lot of annoyed old men who are sad about (laughs) women having things (laughs) see this is part of why i wanted to watch it again because i wasn't a fan the first time i watched it and i just Mm -hmm. wanted to see am i a meninist now (laughs) do i hate women and it's like no no i'm sorry i said that just as you were drinking something but uh, (laughs) i'll let you off yeah i just i wanted to see it again just to make sure i I saw it correctly because I wasn't in the right mindset. And yeah, I mean, you're completely right about Amar. She, it's like every scene that she was in, she stole. But, um, uh, Tayona just had the most difficult parts to play in that film, just the most emotional and very raw moments. 
which you generally don't see in Marvel films. Um, And yeah, I just, I was really impressed with her. And I still. Cry? Oh no. Am I going to do a cry at it? It's one of those where you're just sort of like. You know, where you've got that yeah. sort of bubble in your throat. But you know what Marvel films are like. They sort of give you an emotion and they take it away straight away by changing it to something else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's all very quick paced in that sense. So I think she did a great job with that. And I think that's why the Marvel style of pacing suits Iman a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, because her character suits it so much more and she is amazing. They're all amazing in it. Samuel L. Jackson. Oh my God. He creased me up so much. <laughs> They've just kind of put Nick Fury's personality on the back burner just a little bit and just made him like hilarious whenever he's around Carol. He just sort of he turns into it's what I imagine Nick Fury's like when he's around friends, working with friends, as yeah. opposed to working with Iron Man, who's a rich douche. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, I am excited to go. I don't know when. I don't know at what point we're going to go and see it, but we we will eventually. Mm. We've um we've scrapped our city world cards, folks. Yeah. <sighs> sure. Um, mostly because but you've done it. You've done it for a good cause, though. Well, yeah, I was going to say it's well, sort of. We have largely yeah. it was because the city world that's the most local to us is actually a bus and then a relatively long walk, or a bus and then a tram away. So, like mm. every time it was like raining, we were just like, oh, I can't be bothered. Mm. <laughs> um, so we were like, we, oh, and we need a cinema that's like literally in the centre of the city, so we can just get the bus and then it'd be fine. Mm. Uh, so we've started get we've started supporting the electric cinema, UK's oldest cinema. Absolutely great little mm. yeah, oldest working cinema. Absolutely great little uh, venue that does like themed cocktails based on the movies that it shows, mm-hmm. and they show loads of like old stuff as well. Because I, I was absolutely like just living life during October because mm. they had so many like old school horror films on that I've never seen on the big screen before. Yeah. So I went to see Hellraiser. I went to see The Shining. I went to see Beetlejuice. (laughs) Just having an absolute whale of a time. Um, Mm. But the only downside is is that they only have two screens. So it's a lot of like the bigger releases sort of come and go relatively quickly. So yeah, I don't I don't know when we're going to get chance to see that to be honest. But Mm. I mean, it might be a waiting for streaming jobby depending on how long it takes for things to drop on Disney (laughs) Plus. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember which film. It feels like it just came out. There's like a Disney film that's already on Disney Plus, like a big, big film that was out out in the cinema like a few months ago. So it's just ridiculous how quickly it gets to streaming. Yeah, it's one of those difficult things where on the one hand, I kind of like it because I like the convenience of just being like, oh, well, I didn't get to see this in the cinema and it's already, I can put it in my eyes. Mm. But then similarly, I'm like, I feel like you're not giving films a chance or cinemas mm. like a chance. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would not like to be running a cinema in, in this here economy. Let's put it that way. No, no. I mean, I'm quite lucky in the sense that my cinema is like a 15 minute walk away. So, oh, nice. uh, yeah. So even when it's raining, I'm just like, tumpty tumpty tum, walking down the road, catching Pokemon, tumpty tum. You know, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, see, we're just too lazy for that extra little bit of effort. (laughs) (laughs) And to be fair, I do like the electric. I, when I went there for Beetlejuice, Mm -hmm. I had a Lost Boys themed cocktail called Death by Stereo. 
and it was genuinely one of the best things I've ever put in my mouth. Oh, and I'm lovely. severely contemplating buying the ingredients for it and trying to figure out how to actually make one at home mm. because I want to drink them all the time. I don't know if my boss would appreciate that, but, you know. <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's fine. Working for just... It's just Ribena. Don't worry about it. <laughs> 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 just sipping my cocktail on the team's call. Hey, I don't do that. Don't worry about it. <clears throat> no, we're joking. You know, it's, it's a laugh. This podcast will laugh, you know. In it, though. So yeah. many japes and suggests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> do you oh, want to talk yeah. about a thing? I could talk about a thing. Let's see. Right. Uh, what have I got to talk about? <laughs> okay. I can do a relatively quick one because mm. I already sort of talked about it a bit on Stace and Barry in the morning anyway. Mm. And it's been out for a hot minute. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think last month on the parlour, I just mostly talked about horror stuff because it was October and I was feeling kind of spooky. As as one is wont to do once, you know, you yeah. hit this time of the year. So I went to see a little film called Past Lives. Calling it a little film makes mm-hmm. it sound like a shitty nothing, but it's actually probably one of my favourite films of the year. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, it, I suppose, is it an indie film? So it's it's from A... No, no. is it A24 or A24? And I ask you this because I was having a conversation with somebody the other day yeah. and I kept saying A24 and he kept yeah. saying A24 and neither of us were committed enough to our own saying of it <laughs> but we felt comfortable just adopting the other ones or challenging each other on it so yeah. we just kept we just kept going each yeah. saying a different thing um, is it jiff or sif i don't know I, <laughs> I mean um i'm not going to tell you what i think it's called because i think it doesn't matter so, yeah. <laughs> but it's it that studio anyway yeah. um I so Past Lives is a Korean sort of comedy romancy drama, which really threw me because I didn't know anything about it when Rich and I went to see it. This was just before we scrapped our Cine World cards, and Rich was mm-hmm. like, "Let's do a double. Let's go and see." I can't remember what we saw on the same day, but we saw something, and then we went mm-hmm. away and we came back and we watched this. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the the only movies I'd seen from that studio, <laughs> as it shall henceforth be called. Um, <laughs> Were, have all been like horror, thriller, vaguely unsettling, you know, things like, I don't know, men and, oh God. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. So almost all the way through, I was bracing myself for a spook that never came. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I was just like, when's the unsettling thing going to happen? And then it turns out it's just a regular old, you know, romantic drama. But thankfully, that didn't ruin my enjoyment of it, my own nonsense because I, I literally knew nothing about it rich really wanted to see it mm-hmm. it was technically free so i was like okay it's probably one of the best directed like romantic comedy drama thingies that i've seen for like a long time it is all of the performance it really is isn't it the way all it's the performances shot. are great I mean, yeah the locations are, are all really like gorgeous and really beautifully shot and mm. it's very sweet and funny and sad and touching because i i've said this before and i will probably say it again at some Mm -hmm. point in the future i don't usually like just straight up romance movies yeah the before sunset trilogy is probably the only one i could confidently say maybe when harry met sally although that's probably Mm. more comedy than anything else but Mm. like normally for romance stuff i like a, a heaping 
load of like a different genre with it so like i don't know the princess bride where it's largely a fantasy comedy but it happens to be about (laughs) two people who love each other or Mm. like i don't know scott pilgrim versus the world where it's just like a big nerdy nonsense but it Mm. happens to be about a couple (laughs) so it's not very often that i tend to like just like straight up romances which is why i think i was so taken with this because it was just so like mesmerizing like i couldn't take my eyes off it the whole time and i was very annoyed that i needed a wee in the middle of it um and i missed apparently quite a funny scene in a diner but oh well but yeah i would highly recommend it to anybody who hasn't seen it i'm like a a, a fairly big proponent of like watching things outside your usual film comfort zone every now and again yeah because you often just find a little a lovely little gem that you wouldn't yeah. have tried otherwise. That's why I'm always quite happy when Rich says, do you want to go see this? And I don't know what it is. And I'll just say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do the same with bands. He's like, oh, such and such a playing a gig. Do you want to go to that? I'm like, sure. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I've never heard a piece of music by them before in my life, but sure. Because yeah. um, it's just, I mean, you might discover something great, which I definitely did with this. So, yeah, the only downside to that was, and this wasn't the film's fault, but there was a couple seated directly behind Rich and I who had brought their toddler to see this movie. Uh, and in a bid to keep it shut up for the whole mm. film, just gave it an iPad and was playing Bluey and stuff really loudly on it. And the kid didn't shut up, kept talking to Bluey and mm. to them. And when they shushed the kid, they didn't shush, they hissed at it. So they kept going at the kid. And I'm like... All of this is noise I could do with it. <laughs> like, I'm sorry that you couldn't find a babysitter and you really wanted yeah. to see this movie, but this is very, very annoying. <laughs> mm. And those, those cinemas, they're big. They could sit oh, anywhere. Mate, that cinema, right, it was the uh, it was the same screen that we were in for when we went to see Mutant Mayhem. So, That's like, a big huge. Room. Yeah. And they were sat directly behind us, and I think there are about 12 other people in that screen. Yeah. There were oh literally about a hundred seats they could have sat in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, anyway, maybe this is a little bit why I like the electric more because they're both very small screens, and yeah. also it has sofas. So- <gasps> oh, that's amazing! I love cinemas with sofas. Do they serve? They they serve foods to you, don't they? Or they do, can, yeah. That's yeah, good. Yeah, big sexy piece of chocolate cake while you watch The Shining. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> Just as the elevator doors are opening, slice. Yeah. Yes, Can I say about this film? I loved how awkward the two like romantic couple were throughout the film. Yeah. Um, just these very long awkward silences and yeah like you say it's mesmerizing but i feel like if i was watching it at home i'd have to put my phone in like a phone prison because i would pick up my phone and just absolutely flick through things so yeah i'm glad i saw it in the cinema because yeah yeah, i'm an addict (laughs) yeah me too me too the like i I would love to pretend that I could sit and watch a film at home without picking up my phone. Yeah. But just being at home, naturally, I feel like it needs to be my... <laughs> yes, yes, like, completely. <laughs> <laughs> I think podcasting is the only time I'm not looking at my phone. Mm. Or sleeping, obviously. Uh, yeah, no, I quite liked... What I liked about it as well was that it felt quite realistic because I think one of the problems that oh. I have with romantic movies is either there's like a distinct lack of chemistry or everybody feels like 
you know, like a, a beautiful, smart, confident, you know, just a completely yeah. unrealistic person. Whereas these felt like real human people with messy thoughts and feelings. And yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's like what I was saying with the awkwardness. It's just those awkward silences that mm. happen where you like someone, but you don't. You know, you just kind of don't know what to say, so you just stand there and like <laughs> look through the window. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like okay okay <laughs> this is yeah. this is a bit too real and that ending oh my oh, god oh, oh my god yeah oh. not gonna spoil it but holy mother of pearl <laughs> yeah oh beautiful beautiful absolutely yeah. stunning movie so yeah go yeah. see that everybody because i said so <laughs> <laughs> do it it's probably not in cinemas anymore but i'm sure you'll be able to like stream it somewhere eventually oh. i think it's on disney plus I think that's the Is one it? that I saw. I think oh. so. Yeah. I would check on my phone, but I'm not doing that on the podcast. No. Mm-hmm. We're not no. doing it. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, while I'm on to A24, A24, a Twiffer, can we talk a little bit about dream scenario? Yes, please. Please, for the love of God, yes. <laughs> so I have an opinion about this film that I think a lot of people will be riled up by um, mm-hmm. because when I've looked on the internet and when i say the internet i don't mean just like comment sections on you know nonsense things i mean like actual critics and stuff this film seems to be like a proper marmite movie where people are either like it's the best thing i've ever seen in my life shut up Mm. everybody or people are saying what's this shit then um (laughs) so i have a very weird opinion of it in that i sort of half loved it and half hated it um (laughs) so the bits that I loved, uh, for those that don't know, this is like Nicolas Cage's newest movie. And the premise sort of is that he plays a sort of relatively unassuming professor at a university who's a bit, you know, down on his luck in terms of not being able to get published and not getting mm. taken seriously in his field and that sort of thing. And he just randomly starts popping up in people's dreams. It's and this such is a like, great it's, it's, it's so a brilliant. brilliant. When I saw the trailer for this, I was like, what a weird. phenomenon how amazing is this so i was losing my mind over the concept of it the idea being that obviously it's not everybody that's dreaming about him but enough people across the world who have never met this man before Mm -hmm. uh who are having little dreams and and he's never really doing anything he's just sort of there (laughs) watching you get like murdered or whatever's happening in your dream He's not active in it. He hates that he's not doing anything. He's just sort of standing there while people are eating mushrooms or being devoured by crocodiles or whatever. So I loved that concept. I think the performances in the movie across the board were really, really great because I have a love-hate relationship with Nicolas Cage. I think Mm. sometimes if a director can get him to sort of do what the film is looking for, he can be absolute magic. Yeah. If a director doesn't know what to do with him, he's a fucking mess. <laughs> um, there's so many films where I'm like, put somebody else in this role. This is fucking silly. Um, <laughs> like I've just lost my mind. Um, but he's brilliant in this because it's like quite an understated performance from a Nick Cage point of view. And again, it's very sort of like, you know, normal human man <laughs> yes. um, in terms of his like insecurities he has that thing that I have that I think is really interesting where it's almost a hypocritical uh, thing that happens in your brain where on the one hand that you think that you're crap and you're not worth anything and like nobody likes you and you're very insecure about yourself. But on the other hand, you feel like you're very underpaid and you and nobody appreciates 
all the hard work that you do because you're so fucking good. (laughs) (laughs) That's so perfectly. I love that. How do these two thoughts exist in the one brain? But um, <laughs> it's obviously a relatively common experience if it's getting put into Nick Cage movies. So I loved him. I loved uh, the bird who played his wife. I thought she was fantastic. I've forgotten her name. I wrote it down. Julianne Nicholson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything about that. And I, I loved the visuals, like the dream sequences, even though none of them looked like any sort of dream I've ever had. Um <laughs> It felt it felt like somebody going, well, nobody can ever really remember their dreams, so I guess we'll just do this. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Maybe. But I thought the visuals were really stunning, but I thought the plot was fucking shit, and the story <laughs> went nowhere. <laughs> the story went nowhere and did nothing and said nothing. And the yeah. problem with stuff like that, for me anyway, is I can overlook a film not telling you certain bits and bobs of it if I'm really immersed in the rest of it. So if you have a premise where a load of people just start randomly dreaming about the same dude, Mm -hmm. like, I won't think about the science of that even a little bit if I'm enjoying the movie because it doesn't matter. Mm. But when I'm not enjoying the movie, I start thinking about it. And I got so hung up by the end, especially with, and I'm not going to spoil it, but especially with the direction they took it in at the end, that I was like, it doesn't make... This makes no sense. This it's not it's nonsense. Um, yeah. And then it felt to me like the film kept trying to have a point, and then like yeah. shitting its pants and deciding not to have that point. And like, yeah. oh, is it going to say yeah. something about cancel culture? Now we don't want to go there. Like, oh, is it mm. going to say something about like you know academic plagiarism? No, we don't want to go there. Is it <laughs> saying something about you know the modern American or, or even like Western sort of like you know marriage? No, doesn't want to yeah. say anything about that. And I just yeah. by the end I was like, this is so like riddleless just aimless pointless mm. it's it's pretty but it's nothing yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah, yeah. sadly yeah uh, <laughs> i'm glad you're you. on the same page with me because i've seen so many people like saying it's like it was the same as like when joker came out and i hated it and people saying oh it's got mm. so many important things to say about mental health no it doesn't it doesn't say fucking <laughs> anything useful about mental bollocks absolute <laughs> shit for losers um sorry got really animated there but i really don't like the joker um it's it's fine i i liked it and i'm completely fine with that i totally get it because i worked with some people who were very very severely mentally unwell and did some really dark shit in their past and when you the, the the thing that I feel like the joke got wrong is that these people are usually very boring. Uh, they usually just want to have a cup of tea and read the newspaper, and they're not always planning like the next big thing. It's just yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I agree and disagree, but you know yeah. 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 But yeah, Dream Scenario was like such a disappointment to me because I've been looking forward yeah. to it ever since I first saw that track, even though yeah. for reasons I cannot explain, I kept forgetting the title to the movie. And every yeah. time Rich would say, like, do you want to go see Dream Scenario? I'd be like, what's that? And he'd get annoyed <laughs> at me thinking I was doing a bit. <laughs> I wasn't doing a bit. <laughs> um, now, what, what did you think? Slightly spoilery, but what did you think about the sex scene? The, I did not like that. I didn't, I didn't, I did not like that. Horrid. Um, yeah. Absolutely horrid. Yeah. Uh, and and I always worry with sex scenes in films mm. because I've been quite vocal before I knew what asexuality was and that I was yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I was a, I was very anti sex scenes in movies mm-hmm. because I was like, what do we need this here for? What's yeah. what's it? But we can allude to sex. We don't need to see it. And now I realise that that was just me and my uncomfortableness with the fact that I didn't want to bone anybody 
you know, yeah. that was just showing. <laughs> mm. So now I'm like a lot more chill about it because I'm like, actually, like people do have sex and it's fine to put it in movies. Like, don't yeah. worry about it. But this one was particularly bothersome to me because of the age difference and yeah. because of the sort of dubious to non-consent. <laughs> yes. that, yeah. That made me very uncomfortable. And I think that was sort of the, the point of it. Yeah. But I don't I don't know because <laughs> they didn't really do anything with his thoughts or feelings on it after the fact. Well, that day, um, like you said, they did that with so many parts of this film. You yeah. know, nothing really sort of followed up. It wasn't there was Chekhov's gun and they just sort of left it in the other room. Um, <laughs> but I felt like that scene, I loved that scene. And I think it would have been great in another film. Hmm. It, 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 it felt like an SNL skit. And I think it would have been funny as an SNL skit. But um, yeah, it was, I thought, I thought it was brilliant in how awful it was. Um, just like the worst case scenario when you, when you are getting seduced by someone is everything that happened in that scene. Um, but I, yeah, it just, like you say about the other bits, it just went nowhere. And all it did was just to sort of show a bit more of his character, which didn't really show anything and had no consequences. Yeah. Yeah. I think if I'd have, if they'd have had it affect him in some way afterwards, it would have made a lot mm. more sense to me, especially because it's not often you get a film where in, where the dynamic is that the younger woman is sort of forcing herself onto the older dude. And yeah. I thought at first they were going for like some sort of sequence where it was going to show that like, you know, um, sometimes your dreams aren't always what they're all cracked up to be kind of thing. But then they yeah. didn't, they didn't do anything from her point of view afterwards either. So, yeah. so yeah. like, yeah, it was just really, truly baffling to me. Mm, yeah, I don't yeah. know what else to say about that, really. It's the, just... Well, the only other thing I want to say about the film in general is that it was mm. a criminal, criminal waste of Tim Meadows as well, who is an actor I absolutely adore, who played like his boss at the university. He's yes. such a like incredible comedian. He's got mm-hmm. like wonderful acting and comedic chops. Yeah. And he was just in like two scenes being really normal. <laughs> I was like, no, it's Tim Meadows. <laughs> and like, that's not me trying to say that he shouldn't do serious roles, but just that, you know, don't have him in just two scenes doing like nothing. Yeah. Jeez. Um, <laughs> yeah, such a weird movie. Like we, <laughs> we both came out of it. I think we had intended to go and see something else mm-hmm. straight afterwards, but um, <laughs> we were both just sort of like, I don't want to now. We just go out and have like some Pringles and <laughs> put on Mutant Mayhem probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've seen it six times now, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> that came out in August. You oh, Lord. If it's a comfort thing, then that's fine. Oh, you know? it absolutely is. Like, I haven't talked about it a lot on the pod or whatever, but like, mm. oh, life of late. Hmm. Yeah. She has not been a very nice. <laughs> no. So, no. Uh, you know, the comfort movies have all been brought out, the hot rod. The uh, Step Brothers. Uh, what was the one that Rich put on the other day? Forgotten. You yeah, know what I like to watch? I like what? to watch Bottom. Bottom. Oh, we just started rewatching that, but now we've got to the Christmassy episode, and we're like, yeah. well, it's not close enough to Christmas for it to watch it yet, but we can't skip it, so oh. we've sort of stalled on that. Yeah, which is a bit a bit daft. But I love Bottom. Mm. I, uh, a couple of friends of mine last year dressed up as, you know, the Halloween episode where um, Eddie dressed up as a banana. She's like a devil in some terrible tights. <laughs> yeah, it was some of the best Halloween costumery I've ever seen. Yes. Um, yes. 
He started off with red tights, shat himself, green tights, shat himself again, white tights. And yeah, you can guess what happened then. (laughs) You should never wear white bottoms uh, ever, I don't think, because the risk of... I don't think I've ever pooped myself in my adult life, and yet still I'd be scared to wear (laughs) white trousers, just on the off chance that it would happen. This is a conversation I didn't think I'd have today. (laughs) Well, you know what? Uh, I think that's a lie. Because our conversations do generally end up being quite surreal and scat related. So there we go. Speaking of bottoms, um, that was a film I saw. (laughs) So did I. So did I. But you watched it quite early, though, didn't you? Did you watch it quite like a few weeks before it came out? I don't know. I have yeah. when Rich uh, takes me to things or puts things mm. on, I just I just watch them and I don't have any concept of <laughs> yeah. the context in which I'm seeing them usually. But yeah, we did we did see it a while ago, so my memory on it is not fresh, but I will say this. I've got mm-hmm. such a crush on Ioida Biri, it's ridiculous. Oh my god, she's and so she, cute. She's so cute, and she's having like such a phenomenal year because mm-hmm. she's been in like this film, which is brilliant. She's mm-hmm. been in The Bear, which I haven't watched, but by all accounts, everybody says is amazing. Yeah. Uh, she was in one of my favourite comedy sketches of the year from mm-hmm. um, I Think You Should Leave, where mm-hmm. the uh, the weird VR supermarket sketch. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if you remember that one, but she plays like the uh, the game show host, and it's very funny. Um, she was April O'Neil in Mutant Mayhem. Yes, I'm bringing it up again. Like, imagine oh. being this fucking talented. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, phenomenal. Phenomenal. I just there's a scene in this film where she has a. It's. I just absolutely loved it. She has a full meltdown about how she's never going to get any puss. She's a lesbian. Uh, she's never going to get any puss, and she's going to have to marry another gay man, and they're going to have to have kids, be- and they're going to hate each other, and the kids are going to hate them. The kids just want them to have a <laughs> And this spirals out of control, and she just says to her friend while crying, like, desperately shouting please visit us every sunday i need to see you at church every sunday <laughs> i was just like oh my god <laughs> the delivery on that was so great oh so my good. god yeah that was just oh lovely and have you seen red white and royal blue i have not yet no but no. i've heard good things i didn't realize that the the jock the main jock in this film was like the romance interest in that film and he was english in that film so it's a talented boy mm. yeah. That yeah it's it's very sweet it's a rom-com so mm-hmm. yeah it's very sweet there's and it's actually got some good messages in it but back to bottoms um <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, tangent. Um, this is why I write. So tight, there ever was one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is why I write things down because I, I I spiral off. Um, so. Yeah, she just to give her a little bit about the plot. Um, Josie and the other one. It's terrible. <laughs> should, have, should have written her name down. Hang on a second. Uh, the other one, which is PJ. There we go. And Josie, they are the two ugly, untalented lesbians at school. And, um, 
<laughs> it's their words, not mine. And they are known as being ugly, untalented lesbians at school because it's okay to be gay at school as long as you've got talent. And they even point this out to the one gay guy that they know who does theatre productions, and they are such good theatre productions. <laughs> And they want to have girlfriends. And in the process of trying to chat up a girl, they get in a bit of a ruckus with a football, American football guy. And they slightly touch his knees with their car. And he collapses screaming to blue murder to the sky. And yeah, they get in trouble at school for it because he is the face of the football club there. In order to get out of trouble, they start a fight club, which I love. And <laughs> it's such a, it's such a bad idea. It's yeah. such a bad idea, but they they run with it. Uh, <laughs> and for some reason, uh, the idea of them being in juvie comes in. They've never yeah. been in juvie, but they've rolled with it. And there's a really sort of sentimental moment where Josie is talking about how she, she was talking to all the other girls in the group about how she would like murder someone a day at juvie <laughs> and it's played up to be such a sort of sentimental like really meaningful powerful moment story. Yeah. yeah where her romance interest is actually showing interest in her um because she murdered a bitch and <laughs> oh, God. it's just this film is so dumb it's so dumb and i love her so I I loved it. Yeah. I will say that. But yes. I had I had one small giant problem with it. Yes. <laughs> and yes, it's please. such a huge fucking spoiler. Mm-hmm. So I'm so I'm gonna have to do it. I'm gonna have That's to spoil right. it. So if you haven't seen Bottoms, everybody just like I've seen back, it. I've, back I've seen away. It. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Listen, it. not you. Oh right. No, you've seen it. You've been talking about it for a while. <laughs> what? Um. The, the whole film sort of builds up because the girls start the fight club basically to impress other girls yes. and um, they don't have any sort of self-defense skills. And it's really just a bunch of women punching each other and really hurting themselves yes. in the process whilst, you know, growing together and all, all sorts of stuff. And it, it culminates into just a, a just a bloodbath yes. on a football field. And so that, <laughs> so scene, that scene is what kind of ruined the movie for me because... I know it's about what I'm about to say is going to sound so fucking stupid and I'm aware Mm of it. I'm telling you now I know it's stupid. Mm. But the rest of the film, whilst absolutely nonsensical, Mm -hmm. feels relatively realistic in the sense of like girls could start a self-defense group to try and impress each other. They could grow together because they're supporting one another and it's great. Mm. You know, they could stand up. To, for themselves against bullies and boys and also they're like it, it, it fine but then it just then all of a sudden it just like completely out of left field for me just turns into like yeah just like a battle on a on a football field <laughs> and there was blood everywhere and like guts everywhere and I was like I don't it's so jarring to me at like so the rest of the film feels like it's set in the world that we live in yeah. And then suddenly it's like, this is an acceptable thing. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and I was like, but I am worried about it. <laughs> uh, sort of, sort of, yeah, dro- dropped it down like half a star for me. Cause I was just like, I don't, that, that ending just jarred too hard for me to roll with it. <laughs> See, yeah, this is where we differ again. I love mm. that scene so much. <laughs> Yeah. Just they flat out murder people at the end. Yeah, really 
what they did it as well to try and to try because apparently like the opposing school's football team Mm. knew that like one of the main guys on their team is allergic to pineapple and so it had replaced all the sprinkler water with like pineapple juice or whatever so already there was a plot for a murder (laughs) just in a football game and then all of a sudden just women just like ripping dudes legs off and shit and i was like what (laughs) i lost my episode of bottom that's why i loved it it's just absolute (laughs) chaos and they did it was a all the Chekhov's guns were ticked off in that film the juvie killing people that never happened but it happened on that football pitch and they're going to deal with their problems later going to have to deal with the fact that they've killed guys Uh, one girl killed a guy with a sword it's just brilliant I just loved it so much see yeah for me it just oh no like I I appreciate I can see why people would like it but for me for me it was just too much of a of, like out of left field yeah. it's like it's like going back to randomly bringing this up again the film men like mm. i know a lot of people who say the last half hour of that film ruins it whereas i was mm. like the last half hour of that film fucking makes it less <laughs> <laughs> like it goes from being vaguely unsettling to like ah! <laughs> uh yeah so like i'm not averse to a to a weird left turn of an ending but that one was just it just struck me as like just so out of because there was like nothing sort of I was going to say there was nothing like particularly violent but obviously I don't mean that because they were having a fight club but I mean there was nothing like where people were like you know punching the limbs off of people like it wasn't you know insane it was like regular old fighting (laughs) and then at the end yeah like limbs are just flying off and swords (laughs) are happening and I'm just like you've lost me I'm sorry I'll be honest, um, the thing that I didn't like about this film is that it follows a lot of the tropes of popular films in that it has a really annoying, obligatory, all is lost moment. I hated that, where just everyone just stops talking to each other. They all hate each other and it's all, hmm. And yeah. I, it's when I watch films and that happens, that's all I see. Yeah. Um, that was the one thing that I hated about this film. So I think that you've hit the nail on the head for why I don't usually like romantic movies. Yeah. Because nine out of ten romantic movies will have like all the bit where they meet and they start like falling for each other and they're a bit flirty and like they're getting into it. Mm. And then all of a sudden there's some sort of horrible misunderstanding that could easily be fixed by one of them just going, Oh shit, sorry, I just did this thing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but what happens is everybody get, has like a massive falling out and then and i get that like conflict is supposed to be more interesting but i think in some stories you don't you don't really need that extra layer of like like you say it feels more like a tick box exercise than it just a natural part of the story um yeah yeah i can see yeah i can see why you would think that about it um and I, i don't really think this film needed it either because i think if they'd have still all have been friends when they went out on that football field and saved the mm. their team by absolutely annihilating the other, <laughs> um, <laughs> it still would have been a very triumphant and absolutely yeah. batshit insane moment. So I don't think it needed yeah. that extra layer of like, we've got to get the band back together. Yeah. But overall, I thought it was like really funny. I can't remember who it was now, but there's, I want to say he used to be like a musician or a rapper or something who plays a teacher who's the one who sort of oversees their yes. uh, looking up Mike. Go on, I can see you looking at your screen. Oh. Um, uh, Marshall Lynch. He was there a you go. Back in the oh, day. yes. I 
thought he was funny as fuck. Like, I, I did as well, and I have such a so huge crush good. on him now. He's just, I think he's beautiful, and I want to know his telephone number, please. <laughs> I don't have it, I'm afraid. Stace! <laughs> if I did have it, I would ask his permission and then give it to you with his consent. But I don't. I'm sorry. I, mean, uh, I nearly asked. Uh, I worked in the shop and Amelia Clark came in and I nearly oh. asked her for Jason Momoa's number. So, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I bottled it. So yeah. I don't think I'd have said any words to her at all. So um, mm. doing better I'd probably than probably go, car, wave my arms like I'm a dragon <laughs> and then instantly regret it and then just die. <laughs> I, every, nearly every interaction I've ever had with a, a famous person in whatever field they are in has resulted in me spending a good two weeks regretting it. <laughs> yes. And it's never, it's never that I've done anything particularly bad. Like I haven't gone up and like vomed in their lap or no. I don't know, like immediately like reached for a handshake, but accidentally grabbed their dick or anything. Like I've just mm. been a bit, a bit, you know, ah, hello, you're yeah. famous, crikey. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I'm a bit of a disaster. I, I um, once served uh, Frankie Boyle, and I didn't. <laughs> and oh, the no. first time I saw him, I was just like, I recognise this person. Have I seen him before? Is he in my life? Is he a friend? Is he a family friend? Where have I seen him? Is he on telly? I think he's on telly. I think he's a celebrity. Oh, it's Frankie Boyle. And then I just kind of snapped out of my ravine and he was looking at me with such disdain. And I realised that I was having all of those thoughts in real time as I was staring blankly at him. This is, this is one of the problems with catching um, catching a celebrity in the wild, mm. as it were, because at least if yes. you're at like a comic con or a film con or whatever, mm. you know, they're there for you to stare at them and talk to them and like it's fine. Yeah. But like once I was roaming around London and I happened to look into the window of a Yo Sushi and Vic Reeves mm-hmm. was just there eating sushi. So, of course, I just openly gawked at him for ages yeah. as yeah. I was walking back like, oh, my day. Uh, and then he looked straight <laughs> at me and I tried to duck even though it was a full length window. So <laughs> <laughs> Just collapsed. <laughs> I just like sort of crouched in there. I was like, well, he can still see me. It's still a window. Absolute idiot. <laughs> Hey, real right pivot from, uh, unless you've got anything else you wanted to say about bottoms. No, no, I said it all. I want to talk to you about Fingernails, which is a movie, again, I knew nothing about. Rich said, Jesse Buckley's in this, do you want to watch it? And I said, of course I do. And then Mm. as we started watching it, it popped up that Riz Ahmed was in it too. And I was like, oh, hello. Like, what a perfect, like, beautiful casting of a movie. Jeez Louise. Oh, my Um, God. Everyone is so gorgeous in that film. It's so annoying. It's not even just gorgeous. Like, I think, like, both Talent of them. Yeah, yeah, they're so fucking talented. And, mm. like, I could I could watch those two sit down and just read a phone book at me. And I'd be like, yeah. <sighs> like, <laughs> it'd just be so wonderful. Uh, I think they're both just immense talents. And it's almost a bit upsetting that they're allowed to have so much of it. Bit rude. Yeah. Spare some for the rest of us. <laughs> So Rich popped it on. I had no idea what it was about. I'm going to spoil this because I feel like it's just such a weird film. I have to. <laughs> yeah, there's no real way of, of, of talking, uh, talking about, about it. it without spoiling it. Yeah. Yeah. So the premise of this film is that there is a company that has developed a means to check how in love a couple is by testing of their fingernails. Something, something magical fingernails. You don't need to. Don't look at that. It's fine. Um, so 
Jesse Buckley's character starts working at the company because they sort of run what are essentially like relationship classes to try and like sort of help people build up their relationships before they do the test. And the test results, you can only get one of three, which is 100% both of you are in love, 50% only one of you is, 0% nobody's in love, which is Mm. such a weird, like, like, how can you tell from fingernails anyway? (laughs) I genuinely got all the way through this film thinking these performances are phenomenal. Jesse Buckley is amazing. Riz Ahmed is amazing. Mm -hmm. The film looks really good. I kind of love a sort of vaguely sci-fi, but almost our current real world kind of setting for a film. I like it when it's just slightly to the left of where we actually are. Um, But again, kind of like dream scenario. I don't really know what this movie was going for at any point. (laughs) Um, And I I got a bit hit up as well in the middle and uh, Rich sort of told me to let it go because he thought I was overthinking it because there's a bit where they sort of point out that you can't be in love with more than one person at a time. Like it's not physically possible. And I sort of lost my mind a bit because I was like, yes, it is. Um, (laughs) Because polyamory exists and it's a real thing and shut up about that. Um, And I also sort of got a bit annoyed because they don't sort of explicitly say it in the film, but it sort of suggests that there's just like one person then that you are supposed to be with, which is an idea I know a lot of people have. Uh, it crops up in a lot of like films and it's a, it's a lovely romantic idea that like there's just, you know, one person in the world that's your guy or your gal or your non-binary pal. Mm. And it, And I've never really liked that idea as romantic as it is because it's kind of terrifying to me that there's like knocking on 8 billion people and I, if I hadn't met Rich, I would have had to have, like, gone searching through it, like, eight million people to try and find, like, that one. <laughs> like, and it sort of implies as well that a lot of the people that have found each other are just kind of settling because the odds of you finding that one singular person who exists at the same time as you in yeah. this ginormous world is, like, so infinitesimally small, like, it's nonsense. And I've never sort of liked the idea of you only being able to like you're only supposed to love like one person because again like going back to the polyamory thing like I I can see where that comes from because I'm a person who holds a lot of love for people and gushes it out everywhere all over everybody um right. yeah <laughs> and I <laughs> disgusting <laughs> sorry um, I consider myself lucky that I found Rich but if Rich had left me for whatever reason like that can't be it. <laughs> That can't yeah. be it. I can't no. be only one person with that particular combination of characteristics that makes me fall in love with them. That there's just one knocking around like that's bananas. I, I think that's the point of the film, though, because all this <laughs> tech, all this tech that's being done, it, you, like they, what we haven't really said is they, they don't like clip your fingernails to test you. Oh they yeah, no, they pull the entire fingernail yeah. off a finger, which so is. Green horrific and what they do is they put them in a machine that looks like a microwave so that looks dubious and then the results come out on a cdt like tv screen which is flickering and black and white so it's just sort of implied that while this world follows the rules that couples get special privileges you know couples get discounts at bars couples get all these sort of wonderful things the technology used to gauge these couples is really shit and kind of falling apart and even at the end of the film the the machine breaks down so they don't it doesn't even work at the end so i think that's the point the point is people are so certain about people are very sort of 
certain about things that are so unreliable. Mm. Um, and I think that was maybe like the thing they were saying about the tech side of this. But oh god, it was it was so cute. It was so cute <laughs> watching them, and just those long looks, those long quiet looks, and catching each other's eye every so often, but not really catching each other's eye and. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was a very well developed longing that they created uh, yeah. in the film. Because again, it's it's a testament to like their acting skills that yeah. the chemistry between them was very palpable. But it's but it was also like very clear that she was she did still love her partner, like she was That's the thing. Yeah. Um, she throughout it she was saying she loves him and they, they are having a few problems uh, when they're showing yeah, this sort of timeline. Was, Exactly. You know, he's involved with his work and he's quite happy to go to work and she sort of keeps it secret that she's got this new job for testing people if they're in love by pulling off their fingernail and doing all these sort of bonding exercises to see if these people have actually bonded, like staring at each other, like staring at each other's eyes while underwater or going paragliding together or parachuting together and yeah, everything in this film just says that these love tests are absolute bullshit, but yeah. everyone goes along with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wonder now that I'm sort of talking through it with you, that maybe the film has more of a point than I was originally thinking, because I didn't really, I don't really want to spoil the ending. I didn't, I didn't truly understand what was happening there, why she was doing what she was doing. And now that I think about it, I suppose that was probably her sort of rejecting that sort of rigid way of looking at how you yeah. define love and couple of oh, yeah yeah which is actually quite a nice message now that i think about it and maybe mm-hmm. i like the film a bit more than i thought <laughs> <laughs> Yay. i love when that happens when you sort of talk something through yeah yeah because that's the thing when you're when you're watching it you're just like this is such a surreal concept i can't quite get my head around it but then yeah, yeah that sort of a reflection you yeah sort of it did, look, it, did feel, it did it did feel to me like it was trying to push that sort of like that sort of one couples look one way and it's this way kind of you know that's what this is what love looks like what you know this kind of love looks like and that was that was bothering me a bit but I suppose yeah now looking at it through the lens of the idea of her sort of rejecting that at the end and Mm. you know what you were saying as well about the uh the technology being potentially either outdated and or a con <laughs> just yeah. a complete con <laughs> and using rom-coms as examples to come up with ways to make people fall in love <laughs> but just sort of like yeah. because of the breathlessness of being underwater and staring into each other's eyes that will make things oh fuck off <laughs> I knew I was in love with Rich when he farted on my leg and I wasn't offended by it. So I've got a different barometer, (laughs) different love barometer. But yeah, I think I think maybe I'll give this a rewatch now with like different glasses on and maybe I'll enjoy Mm. it more. Because for me at the time, it was very much like dream scenario where I was like, this is very pretty and well made, but ultimately Mm. not a lot. But now that it, it might have more of a message than maybe I initially caught, ah, oh, I'm interested now. I might give it another watch. I think it's one that I would recommend to people anyway, just because it's it's a really nicely made and performed and written film anyway. Mm. So even if there isn't a message there and we are just making things up or <laughs> putting words in the <laughs> filmmaker's mouth, um, <laughs> still there's still a lot there to enjoy. I mean, I get, like I say, I mean, I'll watch anything that Jessie Buckley's in. I think she's wonderful. Yes. Oh, God. Have you seen the trailer for the film she's in with Olivia Coleman? No. It's based around, like, 
the 1800s or something and this um Livia Coleman plays like a housewife who receives these letters in the post that are just telling her she's a slut she's a whore she's a horrible person all these swear words are just like effing this and effing that and she's very offended and very sort of shocked and bothered by it and they all think it's Jesse Buckley's character but she's insisting that it's not. And this is all based on a true story. So, um, yeah, that's what this film is. And I've, I feel like I've done a really shit job of <laughs> explaining what it's about. I'd say watch the trailer because uh, okay. it looks absolutely delightful. Yeah. Oh, OK, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll give that a little watch. I am looking at the time. Who, baby, we've been chatting for a hot minute and we haven't yes. even touched upon the Rick and Morty of it all. <laughs> Yes, yes. And no. considering I wanted to talk about one of the darker episodes of that series so far. Way, way to um, go for its leaving it last. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. I'll preface, I'll preface by saying this. I wasn't keen on the idea of even watching this series, um, mm. partly because the last season was a bit shit overall. Yeah. I don't think I could even tell you what happened in any of the episodes in the last season. So I wasn't fully, like, enamoured with it anymore. And then mm. there was the whole thing with Justin Roiland, and I was like, bleh. Um, yeah. But thankfully, they have replaced him. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I was ready to put this in the bin. I was like, this has given me a good excuse to just put this in the bin now. I don't have to keep watching it every time yeah. a new season comes out, because I always feel obliged to, because I, I know how good it can be. And also, I feel sometimes, like, because I've got a podcast, I should watch things and I should know stuff. But, like, we, it was just on, like, Adult Swim or whatever that channel is over here one day, mm. which was like, look, let's just, let's just, let's just see what it's like, yeah. shall we? And first of all, can I just say that Justin Roiland not doing the voices couldn't even tell. No, <laughs> just a no. lick of difference. They sound almost yeah. exactly the same. It's great. <laughs> Mm. Um, I'm actually surprised they didn't like try something with AI. Mm, like I, even. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can't speak for him, and I haven't seen him say anything about it. But I feel mm. like I feel like Dan Harmon would be not comfortable with that. Yeah. Again, d- that is pure Stace conjecture based on the small amount of stuff that I know about him. <laughs> so yeah, take that yeah. with a pinch of salt. But. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's baffling that people even consider AI when there are so many amazing voice actors who can do brilliant impressions. It's mm. bonkers to me. Or, or do even. something completely different with it. Yeah. You know, I'd yeah. be up for that. Especially because, like, ostensibly we're following the same Rick and Morty, but who fucking knows? Just pick them yeah. off and get different ones. They sound a little bit different, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, the, whoever it is, I can't I, – I didn't actually make a note of who the people were that took over but whoever they are they're they're very very good impressionists because i genuinely couldn't really tell yeah the the person who's doing morty is just pitch perfect i think absolutely spot on i wasn't particularly enamored by like the first sort of three episodes were all good yeah Yeah, they're they're not outstanding but they are good yeah, they were they weren't they didn't offend me in the way that a lot of like recent episodes have. But similarly they didn't knock my socks off at all. The fourth episode, so this was the one that you wanted to talk about and I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Because I don't think and I don't know I've said this a lot in this episode, so I don't know whether it's just because my mental health isn't great at the moment and my yeah. capacity for paying attention to things is not good. I don't know whether this is my fault, but I didn't quite understand what they were trying to say in this episode. So yeah. 
if you've got any ideas, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> I think the general message is exploiting the masses, exploiting like the mental health of the masses in order to make a profit. And when I sort of looked at it closer and looked at the messages that they were doing in it, I think when you sort of observe it, it, it makes sense and it's very clever the way they did it. I just wish they didn't use suicide as an example. <laughs> it's yeah. just, it's, it's a difficult enough subject for most people to talk about. And I'm okay talking about it. Cause like I said, I've made of weirder stuff in the sense that I've worked in a mental health care place and death was quite a regular thing there and suicide is something that I would talk a lot about with people there because they're not in the best of places and you know some of them have done really terrible things in the past so you know they think that they think about suicide a lot and I think that there is there is the potential for a forum to talk about abuse like that and talk about suicide uh, uh, there is a huge potential for that i'm not sure rick and morty is the forum for it uh that's the only thing that i had about it because um while is it dan Harmon who yeah yeah i'm sure he's been very liberal about how his mental health things and suicide and it's i think it's an episode for people that are curious and want to ask questions about suicide and you know how intrinsic it is to how society is and how capitalism affects the mental health of people and a swelling population and you know it's just the sort of insidious side behind corporations and capitalism and how that sort of stems the flow of lives on this world and i'm just going to stick with saying that while I would love there to be a forum for people to talk openly about this. I mean, recently I got into a podcast by Kathy Burke, who talks about how celebrities want to have their funerals. Yes, I love that show. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. She had Jamie Dimitriou in it. And he it's said he so wanted, funny. Oh my God. He wanted his sister who is Natasha Dimitriou, who's in what we do in the shadows. He wanted her to do the uh, eulogy. And she used it as an example for her to show her range as an actress. <laughs> <laughs> Where she did the Stop All the Clocks poem in a Scottish accent. And she sort of ended her eulogy by sort of giving details of an agent and <laughs> just saying, I am available for roles. And yes, please contact my agent. <laughs> and I, I love that podcast because it talks about death in a non-emotional way. It sort of deals with it in a practical way. Yeah. And I feel like if there was a forum of, like that for talking about suicide or even talking about some of the really harsher things that happen in life, like sexual abuse and you know all sorts of different abuses that happen, that happen in life and people don't talk about it. And it kind of gets worse by not talking about it. And it's really difficult to find the right way of talking about it. And I'm not sure Rick and Morty is the best way, but yeah. I feel like I hope it's like the first stepping point for people to talk about it more openly and, mm-hmm. you know, not not to take it too personally, as it were. I, yeah. It's hard to describe. It is. So just to clarify for the audience, in case anybody hasn't seen that episode, uh, episode yeah. four, that mortar, the premise of this was that, the, the Smith family have been enjoying absolutely delicious spaghetti and meatballs once a week. 
testing the balloon. <laughs> and then they find out that it actually happens to come from a planet where when people commit suicide, their innards turn to delicious spaghetti. Uh, but it only works when it's suicide, not just natural death or murder. And my initial gut reaction to this episode was, that's fucking wrong, man. That, like, none of this. Yeah. What are we doing? And then the more I watched it, the more I thought... So I, I half agree with you and I half don't in that yeah. I agree that we definitely need to be talking about things. And I and I sort of think that Rick and Morty might be a good place to do it. I okay. think the problem is, and this was the problem that I had with the, the more recent episode of Rick and Morty as well, is that mm-hmm. the, the more recent series have leaned a lot more heavily into gore. Yeah. So like the show's never been afraid of violence, mm-hmm. but like the last couple of seasons in particular have just been limbs and guts and exploding body parts like everything's flying everywhere yeah. brains are flying out of ears it's it's yeah. genuinely distressing how to me anyway uh, even though it's only a cartoon and i shouldn't really worry about it that much it's genuinely mm. distressing to me how much blood these people have to animate <laughs> because yeah. it's it's so over the top gross and i mm. think they They've been leaning that way because they set Rick up as a character to have so many sort of like fail safes and protections that it has to take like absolutely dreadful physical harm for him to be even vaguely hurt. And it doesn't even Mm. ever seem to really have consequences because he's just replaces it with a mechanical limb or whatever that's also a gun i don't know um, <laughs> and so like the what bothered me the most about that's a morte was was that the episode was really like brutal and gross about the way that it approached the suicides that it showed and then mm. just like scooping their innards on out <laughs> and so yeah. it's just spaghetti because i sort of i sort of admire the point that they were making about how you know like you say corporations and things will do anything to make a book they'll exploit mm. anything to make a book even if the thing that they're exploiting is absolutely awful like Genocide. just completely <laughs> grim. yeah yeah exactly yeah. and i think that's an important point to be making particularly currently yes <laughs> um uh, there's a, there's a there's a lot of that going around isn't there um yeah but i think what it what bothered me about it was that it was very frivolous with the suicides it showed uh, mm. And the the harvesting. Oh, I don't even I don't even like using that yeah. word. But you know, the yeah. the collecting and the the canning of the foods and like just mm. everything about it felt. And I mean, I mean, maybe that's what they were going for. Maybe they wanted it to be like visceral and to make you really like yeah, cringe at it. Yeah, cartoony. Yeah, but to me that just sort of took away from the seriousness of the stuff that they were talking about. And mm. Rick and Morty can do serious and like heart wrenching mm. in a more understated less grotesque yeah. manner um yeah. and that that was the part that i didn't like because i think i think that's the sort of the sort of conversation that the older rick and morty seasons could have had mm-hmm. but this one felt like it just devolved into goo <laughs> <laughs> and, I'd, and i just i didn't think that was the right way for that yeah. conversation to go, do you know what I mean? Mm. And it's a shame because it was one of the more impactful episodes they've had for like. Because yeah. I've always said Rick and Morty to me is at its best when it's silly, funny, and then the occasional heart punch. So yeah. you, you get lulled into this false sense of security, like ha ha, fart and burp jokes. Uh oh, mm. Rick almost killed himself. <laughs> like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, there's there's always bit all like you know, uh, 
ha ha we created david cronenberg monsters also we've buried mm. morty in the garden do you know <laughs> do you know what i mean like and then morty's having an existential crisis like yeah. those episodes were always impactful because they were still funny and i think and I, this is gonna sound horrible i don't think suicide's off limits for comedy if you do mm. it right uh, I think yeah. I think most things aren't really off limits for comedy if you do it right. But I think mm. this just evolved too much to me into like a sort of grotesque spaghetti bloodfest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just it just made me uncomfortable. And then I think it lost the impact behind what it was trying to do and say. Yeah. For me at least. I mean, that's kind of what I mean by the right forum. Because I listened to that Kathy Burke podcast. Uh, it's called Where There's a Will, There's a Wake. Mm-hmm. And I listened to that knowing what the concept of the show is, which is death. Mm-hmm. I go in there knowing that they're talking about death. It's a difficult subject that people talk about, but she makes it so fucking funny mm-hmm. because she's a cockney bee and, and she's just got charm coming out of her ears. And I go in there knowing what it's about, whereas Rick and Morty yeah i'm not convinced so i think that's just where where we differ on that point yeah yeah no that's that's fair i mean i think i think rick and morty has in the past dealt with some rough stuff yeah. from quite an interesting point of view and thrown in the comedy whereas this mm. yeah this just felt to be yeah i'm, pull, I'm pulling a face that the listeners can't see but yeah yeah just yeah. just just like the tone of it was just a little bit off from where it mm-hmm. needed to be just yeah. to, to, to still be like a, a you know a funny episode of Rick and Morty, but tackling like a difficult subject. Um, yeah. The most recent episode, which is the one that sort of dealt with the uh, the Rick and Morty law, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> I the continuity. Got, yeah, I got absolutely pissed on on a, a Rick and Morty subreddit to the point that I deleted all of my comments because I was like, fuck this. Um, oh no! What happened? Well, I I've always said that I. So the reason I sort of fell out with Rick and Morty a bit is because it kept giving you these canon continuity crumbs and then just yeah. fucking them up for like a season and a half. And I'm like, resolve this. <laughs> like I'm the kind of person who I don't need everything to be spoon fed to me. But with how like how big a gaps there are between each seasons and like some of the seasons had gaps in the middle too. You can't leave me hanging for because I've got a bad memory as well. You can't leave me hanging for that long on something that's going to be important later. A couple yeah. of episodes to get you know to get bring up the tension and the suspense fine mm-hmm. but you can't drop an evil morty in like series three and then not come back to them till the end of season six like what are you yeah. <laughs> just losing my entire mind so i've always been banging on about it. like people on that forum know that i am like all about the law <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. and i think they're the most interesting bits of the stuff like mm-hmm. who who remembers or cares about really that episode where they make a giant sperm baby in space like what was that for who cares but the, episodes... it's the obligatory incest episode. You know, like third person's wedding and stuff like that. That sticks in people's memory because it's like, holy yeah. shit, this happened to ah. Um <laughs> so I was really excited about them coming back to this plot line of Rick trying to find the Rick that killed his wife. And I thought up to the point where he met with that guy it was great and then i had the exact same problem that i had with that's a morte which is where it just devolved into explosions and guns and fighting and blood and and i mean there's no stakes whatsoever there's like a point where Eric is lying on the ground with literally all of his intestines out they're just no Mm -hmm. longer in and it 
like they just scoop them up and move on and i'm like who cares then at this point like it's yeah. so fucking stupid and i think and so, that the funny thing is that the thing that destroys rick is what evil morty said to him at the end yeah. so you know all that fighting was for nothing because yeah all it took was a few words and it's just like oh okay and then his life changes yeah i'd be interested to see where they go from here i suppose because that's been building up for a really long time and you find out that he that the the rick that killed his his wife has killed his mm-hmm. wife across all the <laughs> yeah. all the different like multiverses there is no version yeah. of diane anywhere she's like and genuinely there were giant mad. diane's at the end <laughs> three giant <laughs> diane's in this thunderdome just <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah it's it left it in an interesting place because then i'm like well where are they gonna go from here are we now gonna just go back to these like nonsense stories that i didn't care so much for <laughs> yeah. yeah so i like i mean i'm intrigued but yeah the, the people on the forum were really mad at me because they were like this is what you wanted and now you're not happy with it and i'm like look mate i'm allowed to not like the execution of something that i was looking forward to all right <laughs> fucking hell but i do think it was the best episode of the series so far still so you know mm. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, it's been it's a weird old thing, isn't it, Rick and Morty? Now <laughs> it's yeah, I'm I'm kind of okay with it not being as good as it was. I'm a, I'm all right with that, and I feel like it it will never be the way it was. Mm. Um, I think I and, need to accept that. I think that's my problem is that every week I'm there with that anticipation mm. of like this could be really good, and then it just yeah. disappoints me. <laughs> Maybe I'll enjoy it's, more if I went in with the basis of I might not like this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because that's that's what I feel like the Simpsons went through. The Simpsons were amazing, and people say it's never as good as it was. But um, there have been some new episodes that I've seen, which are really amazing. There was like a two-parter with Ned Flanders, who I, I saw a YouTube video by Eyepatch Wolf where he was talking about how the Simpsons has changed. And what it was was there was lockdown and they had fewer writers to work on the show. So they had one writer per show. And it really worked in the sense that each story has its own story. And it was funnier for it and it was better for it. And this Ned Flanders thing was like a a non-can story, which just sort of shows what happens to a good guy, a good man who has left it, who's lived his whole life with this certain amount of privilege where he can preach goodness and he can preach God and all these things because he's never actually been in a difficult situation before where he's had to do sin, where he's had to do something evil. And it shows just what happens to him when he is put in that spot. And it's so good, Stace. It's so good. And it's so not early Simpsons. It's just its own thing. And there are a few episodes like that in the newer series. And oh, it's so good. So good. So, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, you kind of looked like you wanted to wrap up. So I thought I'd try and end on a on a happier note. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we won't go back to Rick and Morty. It's fine. <laughs> um, well, uh, I'm not going to like fully round up because we've still got recommendation music times that doesn't have the segment. What doesn't have a name? <laughs> where we do a bit of music the only segment that i've got and i still haven't bothered to name it <laughs> where we recommend a little bit of music for everybody uh you sent me like two potential options so i'm intrigued to see which one you're going to go with mike um, what should people listen to 
<laughs> well, well, one of the options was like a song that I love that is, came out in the 80s, uh, mm-hmm. which was called, which is uh, Susie and the Banshees Peekaboo, which I feel like people can listen to. And it's a song that I love hearing in the background anyway. But the song that I've picked, uh, which is really stupid, it's really thick, stupid is a Game Grumps compilation which has turned into a song which is called Forklift Simulator and it's I've got a playlist on my phone specifically for me to listen to to mellow out and sleep at night which has got mellow songs and Forklift Simulator even though it talks about murdering your dad it's Mm -hmm. on that playlist They sing it in such a sort of a soothing way. It really soothes It's very soothing, and I feel okay about murdering my dad after that. <laughs> I haven't. I have not done that. I've not done that. Um, <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. Um, I, I don't know how you pronounce the guy who does these like musical. I want to say it's Space Bear, but I don't know. Because yeah. it's spelled like S B A W S B A R V E A R. Space Bear. S yeah. bass bear. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. But I love their Spotify. little musical like remixes of bits of Game Grumps oh, nonsense. The Diddle so Kid made. song. Yeah, the Diddle Kid yeah. song absolutely killed me when that came out. Well, j- every now and again as well, me and Richard just like sing bits from it and then realise that we're out in public and I'm shouting, you've been diddled. Uh, <laughs> like an absolute lunatic. But Forklift Simulator is the absolute standout track off that latest little album of, of theirs. Because, yeah. like, oh, my God, it's 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 always a bit better musically anyway when they're singing in the episode. Because, um, yeah. obviously, it works better. There's not as much, like, what you would call it, like, vocodery sort of yeah, yeah uh, nonsense. But it's just so funny because the song escalates from, like, moving around some boxes in this building to, like, then I'm going to run my dad over with a forklift. <laughs> I'm going to throw him in the river. I'm my actually favorite. going to slowly lower him into the river with a forklift. <laughs> my, my absolute favourite part of that is when uh, when he did, just after that line, when he says, oh, God, I miss him. Forklift, see you later. <laughs> Um, mm. I'm so glad you picked this song because I, uh, it's been like on a very high rotation on my, because yeah. I've alluded, I've been having a bad time. So anything at the moment that either chills me out or makes me laugh is very much, mm-hmm. uh, especially if it's fun. easy to pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah. And this is very like, it's easy on the ears. It's pretty chill. Mm. At the same time, it's really stupid and funny. Really fucking um, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> really funny. Um, <laughs> What was funny about it was I didn't even remember them singing in that episode. So me and, after they, after this song came out, me and Rich went to watch the Forklift Simulator episode again, mm-hmm. and almost immediately they started singing Forklift Simulator. <laughs> <laughs> How did I miss this before? It's like all they do throughout the episode. All <laughs> of the Game Grumps, so wonderful. Oh, uh, wonderful oh, <laughs> I'm quite warm from giggling. Um, my song is I picked, uh, everybody will probably know this, I picked Dance the Night by Dua Lipa. It's from mm-hmm. the Barbie movie. Again, it's a very fun song that you can dance mm-hmm. around your kitchen to while you're doing housework and it yeah. cheers you up a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's why I picked it, because I'm not in the mood for sad songs right now. <laughs> yeah. it um, is, it's very good for picking you up. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so danceable. And mm-hmm. it's really, 
annoyingly singable and I've had to try and catch myself because Rich and I both sort of work from home like nearly every day each week now like we're only in the office like once or twice a week um mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's been some days where I've been sitting in here listening to songs and like fully belting them out and I've got what I like to consider a passable voice in that you wouldn't look twice at me at a karaoke bar for being terrible or phenomenal you'd just be like she's singing <laughs> <laughs> You're a lot better than that, Stace. You're a lot better than that. I don't don't think so. But sometimes I'll be like fully belting a song out as though Mm. I'm completely home alone, forgetting that Richie's on a call in the other room with all of his bosses and whatnot. And I mean, thankfully, (laughs) most of the people that he works with have met me now and quite like me, so I don't think they mind so much. But there's like, if he's ever on the phone with like a client, (laughs) 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 I'm in here bellowing diddle kid, like, ugh. Um, Oh dear me. Anyway, those two delightful musical choices will be on the Spotify playlist forthwith. So if you lovely listeners would like to have a listen to them and all the other songs what have ever been picked. Well, most of the other songs. The ones that are on Spotify. Because <laughs> I'm a miracle worker and I can't make songs appear out of thin air, sadly. No. No. Be really uh, can, I, can I say one quick thing about uh Saltburn? Oh yes, uh, go on. Yeah, I liked it. It was good. I'm not going to say anything about it because it, it you need to watch it. I thought it was very good okay. and the characters are insufferable. Um, <laughs> yeah. And okay. It's a very I... satisfying film. Okay. I was going to ask you briefly about this and I'm glad you reminded me because I have seen trailers for this. I've seen two different trailers and mm-hmm. the first one just made the movie look boring and then the yeah. second one made it look like it was just chock filled with insufferable people that would piss me off And but it's by Emerald Fennell who I like as a director mm. so I was like okay so what there's got to be something else here so are the trailers right. indicative of the movie as a whole or no? <laughs> um, it didn't go where I thought it would and in a sense, it did in the sense that it talked about class and class is the big issue. Like racism is the big issue in America. Class is a big issue in the UK. And we stay with some of like the richest people. Like one of the characters is a lord in it and talks about class, talks about sex. And um, yeah, there's it's it's worth seeing for the final uh, scene of the film, uh, which I found kind of hilarious. And um <laughs> If you're a bit yeah. prudish about nudity, then uh, maybe don't watch the final scene. But there's a lot of nudity in it. Um, it's not sexual. It's I've just, seen a willy before. It's fine. Yeah, you'll see a lot of willy in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it all makes sense. And it's beautifully shot. And I recommend it without wanting to say anything else about it. Yeah. No, I'm glad you've said that because it was one of those films that I was like, I'm intrigued by this, but I don't think it's because the trailers are actually interesting. I think it's because mm. I'm thinking there's got to be more to this than this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <there laughs> uh, so I was a bit worried that I'd go and see it and then there'd not be anything more to it. And I'd be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that, that was a couple of hours of my life, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, maybe I'll see it then. I don't know. There's too many good films coming out right now and I don't appreciate it. I mean, I do because no. I love films. Yes. But... It says a lot that I kind of want to see the film straight away again. So, oh, yeah. that is interesting. Okay. Yeah. Ah. Just sort of spot all the things I didn't spot before. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Excellent. I think yeah. I'm going to shut up now, partly because <laughs> I, need, I need a bit of a wee. Well, I need yeah. a whole wee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Not half. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also I've run out of uh, waffles to waffle. So Fair enough. Mike, you delightfully sexy beast, uh, would you like to promote yourself on the interwebs or no? <laughs> uh, not really, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have I'm, to. It's fine. Yeah, I know. I'm Mike Draws Everywhere. Uh, sometimes I've changed it to Mike Draws You on a Horse in some places. Um, <laughs> I just really like that. Just sort of changing the end of Mike Draws to other things like Mike Draws You Eating Marshmallows. Um or Mike draws you playing the violin on stage while your mother looks on proudly. You know, those sorts of things. Um, yeah, you can find me there. And hopefully in the future, hopefully I might be a guest on Never Seen because I really like that show. I really like that podcast. And I've got an idea for a film that I'd like to see that I've never seen before, which Ooh. I think would be fun and interesting. Okay. Tell me after I've finished recording what film it is because I'll pitch mm-hmm. it and see where we're at with it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay. Excellent. Eh? I need to update my closing wa- waffle that's on my, because I have like a little outro that's like, hey, follow me on these things. And it's all wrong now because the internet's gone insane. So mm. I will briefly say that you can find me at Stacey's Parlor pretty much everywhere. Uh, I'm on <laughs> Threads, I'm on Hive, I'm on Blue Sky, I'm on X, formerly Twitter, I'm on Instagram, <laughs> I'm, I've got a Facebook group. You do all of mm. those things. Uh, look upon me perceive me in all of those places however i will say i haven't really got the spoons for all of them so i'm really just sticking with twitter until it fully goes down <laughs> yeah yeah it's a, it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot and nobody's decided the one place to go yet so like i just can't spread myself that thinly so i'm just waiting until twitter like truly sinks yeah. uh, and then i'll i'll decide which other one i'm going to put the most of my effort into i am doing a fundraiser uh, that you can find if you go to my Instagram or wherever I've got a link tree link to it but basically what I want to do this year for the charity that I work for which is a, an NHS charity here in Birmingham instead of buying me a Christmas card which is a waste of precious tree and your precious money because I will almost immediately put it in a recycling bin as soon as Christmas is over just chuck the cost of a card and the postage into my fundraiser please is what I'm asking so if you were going to send me a card do that uh, if you weren't going to send me a card but you want to donate, still do. <laughs> that'd be nice. Yes. So that we can. I mean, if it's make... if, like everyone did like a quid, that'd be that would really go a long way. It really would. Uh, like all of the funds that I'm raising are going towards all the like Christmas prezzies and like winter support items for oh. vulnerable families in Birmingham and in patients oh. who have to spend Christmas in our hospitals. So that's such a good idea. Isn't it? Um, so yeah, if you, I think the link is justgiving.com forward slash no cards for space but, <laughs> but um <laughs> if i'm wrong about that just find me on instagram or twitter and it'll be in my link tree there mm. and on that note have a absolutely jolly spiffing rest of end of november slash early december i will see you all in december with the 2023 roundup hopefully with my husband but he's sort of gone on a bit of a rampart because it's tradition, right? But he's also yeah. sort of hates podcasting right now and I don't really want to yeah. <laughs> force him into it. So maybe it'll just be me talking to myself about how much I love Mutant Mayhem. <laughs> <laughs> That's my top five, just just five times. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, see you next month, everybody. Have a bloody lovely now and I'll see you then. <laughs> Bye. Bye, everyone. What <laughs> nonsense outro. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. To get in touch with me, the titular Stace, you can follow me on Twitter at Stacey's Parlour, send an email to stacysparlour at gmail.com or come and join the Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour Facebook group. 
If you'd like to leave a review for the show, please do so on Apple Podcasts or over at podchaser.com. If you like what you heard enough to want to give me some money, which would be quite spectacular actually, you can go to coffee.com forward slash Stacey's Parlour. That's ko-fi.com forward slash Stacey's Parlour. The music that you're hearing right now is by the amazing band Starbomb and you should really check them out on Spotify, iTunes or on their website. Thanks for stopping by and I'll see you next month. Mwah! <laughs>